Wow. Okay, folks, we've got one heck of an episode for you today. This one, we decided to get a little intellectual in the nonsense we talk about today as we talk about politics, civil liberties, freedom, and safety, and the necessities of Batman versus Superman in the comic book universe. That's talking about things such as the politics behind registering mutants, registering superpowered individuals, all that and then some. It couldn't just be left up to myself and Bo to talk about this, so we call back our friend from Pete's basement, Pete, to rein in his very colorful opinion on these things. And this is the reason why we bring Pete in for these discussions, because it's just so great, and so we also don't go on record for saying some of the things that he says. Um, all that and then some, with very few segues into other things. So we bring you this discussion and several other things in today's episode of Geek of the Week. I'm you freaked of the I see I have enough hill today. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. And this thing, is this is always gonna be a thing. Yeah. I it, never get an easy pass on any of this. No, because and my problem with the Batman overall is okay. this is simple. I wanna hear this because I have a few issues with bats too, but uh, let me hear As, yours first. Besides the fact that he is just an orphan child whining about being an orphan for up until eternity in a city full of orphans who just also are not rich. And he's spending billions of dollars so he can throw metal objects at the mentally ill. <laughs> All right. Okay. He is a guy who has outgrown Gotham. He's outgrown Gotham six times over. He's went from being the vigilante of Gotham, stopping street crime and stopping costumed crazy people to a guy fighting alongside gods and super beings and cosmic police. And then after he's done fighting alongside them as equals, if not their superiors, he supplied them with gear that they need and then returns to Gotham and still, I'm supposed to believe, he's having problems against the lawyer with the handgun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with him. <laughs> All right. Because his stories, yes, they're interesting. If you could be Batman, be Batman. Uh, his, his life, yeah, he's rich. His lifestyle is amazing. He's physically perfect and all these other things. But I find him in many ways more bullshit than Superman in his mythology. Because, see, in Superman's mythology, Superman fits. He doesn't overstep his mythology. He never goes beyond being Superman. Granted, that's a big, big range. But Batman has stepped... Batman has not been a normal guy for more than 20 years. You know, the non-powered guy? He has all right. the powers. He has, like, 80 years of experience in, like, 5 to 10 years worth of training time. Right. There's nothing he can't do. Yeah, there's much. nothing he can't do. And it's only right. gotten worse with time. That's my problem. <clears throat> meanwhile, Superman. Done, uh... Meanwhile, Superman. They always pull him back. They never push him forward. Batman. Okay, they always on, push him on. You, on. you guys can hear me, right? Yes. Perfectly. Now, yes, Batman has some things about him that get even me as a huge Bat fan. I should have worn my Bat shirt today. Clearly, you know, but that's fine. Now. Without necessarily trying to take soups down a few pegs, which is really easy to do. Yes. It's almost too easy. Yes, it is. Um, the reality is this. Batman is and always has been and always will be generally a bit more relatable. 
His problems are personal. His issues are psychological and his drive is emotional. That said, is Batman a little too big for Gotham? Absolutely. You will never hear me disagree that statement. However, the reality is Bats, Bats is never going to let go of Gotham. No more than Soups is ever going to let go of Metropolis or any of the other heroes are going to let go of their respective cities. No they more than I would come never back. let go of New York City no matter yeah, how many let, vessels come in. Yeah. You know, the X-Men, for example, I'll take it across the pond, way across the pond. The X-Men go across galaxies, go across time. They always come back to Massachusetts. They always come back to New York. You mean Connecticut? Um, well, no, they've left a couple Connecticut. of times. Well, you know, they, they come back to the tri-state, okay? They, they always come back. Except when um, they go to San Francisco. Every Fran. group. Don't worry. They will end up coming back. They always will. So by saying that Batman's too big for Gotham, is a bit of a, an injustice done to him because every one of them do this. Now, I can actually understand why Batman does it more than Soups does. Because as I pointed out to Mike, he's like, well, Batman shits on people's personal freedoms. Um, he beats people up. Um, he spies on people. Uh, he beats on the mentally challenged. I have all no these things. any of that. Let me, let me make that one thing clear. It wasn't that he, he, beat, he, 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 he shits on people's personal freedom. What I was mentioning is, you remember when Robin, when Nightwing took over as Batman? Right. They kind of made it clear that when Nightwing helped along the due process system by giving evidence to the police and these guys went to jail, it sent the message that Batman never did that. So all these guys that he beat up, all these side goons that he beat up, they go into, they go into jail and they get let out. And basically he's just giving them a beating warning. They never go to jail. That was, that was one of my major problems with Batman and... Not, not even bringing the, the legality of, you know, whether they can, whether the criminal can be arraigned or prosecuted or whatever. He, let's say they do. You know, let's say they do go to jail. And they're only going to Arkham Asylum anyway because, like you said, they're fucking nuts. And they're going to wind up getting out because some doctor is going to think that they cured them or some sleazeball lawyer is going to get them off on some sort of technicality charge or something like that, and then they're going to be out wreaking havoc on Gotham again. When he could have now, put money I, into Arkham and fixed it. I have no can't. problem with them beating the snot out of every last one of them, whether it's for information or as a warning. Because let's say, just for a hypothetical example, I'm talking shit about you, Mike, and you tell me, dude, that's not cool, don't do that. I don't give a, I don't care. I'm going to continue to talk about you until you punch me in the face. Until I can equate talking shit about you equals pain, I don't care. I am all for the fucking torture of, you know, terrorists to get information that is going to save people's lives. Which brings me to my next point. This is what I don't like about Batman. How many people is he was uh, how many the deaths of how many people is Batman responsible for simply through negligence because he won't snap the Joker's neck every time he has the chance. Now, uh, 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 oh, that brings me into my other discussion. Like, um, oh, oh, wouldn't it have been easier on, if you just I, I let got... a cop shoot Joker? Absolutely. No, no, no. I, I, I have to address this. No. See, I have to address that one. Because on the one hand, I will agree with that sentiment. But on the other hand, Batman brings up the point, which is if I end him myself or let him get ended. It was my issue with the movie when he faces Rachel Ghoul and he's like, you know, uh, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Right. That sort of fine line where Batman that's still doesn't actually do that. That's still killing him. And that's a line Bats generally won't cross. 
because Batman has made this vow to not kill if at all possible. And he pushes that as far as he can. If he takes out the Joker, who absolutely deserves it, his point is, then what? Then the next guy and the next guy or somebody who isn't quite as terrible, but terrible in a different way. That's a slippery slope and it never ends. It never I'm stops. Generally OK with that, which is probably why I don't have superpowers. I, <laughs> on a fundamental level, I understand why you can't kill the Joker because classic villains are hard to create. So, you know, from a just from DC standpoint, no, we can't possibly kill the Joker. Of because, course. Yeah. I, 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 so that's that's yeah, not, yeah. Yeah. But, but I think it's, it's it goes a little deeper than that. It goes to the psychology of Batman, which is I cross a lot of lines already. There has to be something I don't cross. There has to be something I won't do. Otherwise, I might as well just be a supervillain. That's the privilege of the rich bastard. He has so many privileges that he even has a further privilege where, ah, oh, you know what? I have the privilege of not having to kill this mass murdering fuckhead who's been killing endlessly amounts, endless amounts of people since the since in every individual run that Batman has ever had. Joker's death toll is ridiculous. I see, Absolutely. see I gotta side with Pete on this. Um, if Batman doesn't even want to kill the Joker, why doesn't he just let the police find Joker? Give them the evidence that they need. Every cop would shoot Joker in the face. This Every is why cup. you need guys like Frank Castle. This is why the world... This is why you have you have the Punisher, yes. But at the same token, um, the reality is, isn't Soup's also guilty of this most egregious of sins? See, the difference is, is Super, Superman, like I'll say, is he's privileged with power. The thing is, is he acknowledges that he's privileged with power. And in that privilege... He is not. He wants to be welcome here and not be our random god and savior. So he's not going to cross these boundaries. Oh, so to, the privilege is power. Yeah, and by it is. His outing by saying he has power, the privilege is not to do anything about it because he's too powerful. But he will I, stop oh, things that are beyond our capability to handle. All of all of the heroes that simply put their villains away in prisons instead of killing them are just as guilty of it. Uh, they're just going to get out and do it again. That doesn't so, go for no. all prison. That doesn't go for all criminals. Okay, for a villain like, let's say, if Spider-Man arrests, uh, he ties up the Gibbon, because <laughs> I mean, it's just the Gibbon for God's sakes. But I mean, you get a guy like uh, Mister Negative or Alistair Smythe or even Doc Ock on some occasions, or the Green Goblin when he's really, you know, got his balls twisted. They wreak havoc and and leave uh, nothing but a smoldering cinder in their wake. How many people have been killed in the crossfire here? These okay. are people that you that the Punisher should deal with. Bang! I'll, but the Punisher can't. He's not capable to deal with most of these guys. Which is why uh, these uh, guys are negligent. They I'll take your I'll take your Spider-Man. Spider-Man ran across Kingpin for a while. I'm pretty sure most people remember it. It's when he went back to his black suit for a bit. How great was that? Kingpin. Oh, you mean when he went amazing. to the prison and beat the crap out of Kingpin? Yeah, that was after, yes. King, after Kingpin hired somebody to shoot him and his aunt got shot in the crossfire? Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and then he went to the prison, now, took the mask off, and said, Spider-Man's not going to do this. Peter Parker is. Yeah. Now, now this, is, this is my point. Spider-Man can be accused of negligence also, even though he tries his ass off to do the right thing at every possible conceivable turn. Yep. When it got personal, he said, you know what? I'm going to step out the suit for a minute. I'm going to roll up my sleeves. And I'm going to beat the living hell out of this guy within an inch of his life to let him know there's a line not to cross, and that's my family. Why was that okay to do versus uh, Gwen Stacy versus half the people, his personal friends, his personal family, and people he you know on the on the regular getting 
their lives destroyed or killed or murdered by half of his rogues gallery. All right, now because really, it was on. Here's where really, I'll chime in. are a lot more important than blowjobs. Uh, <laughs> here's where I'll chime in. <laughs> All right, BJ's and sweet kicks aside. <laughs> All right. No, Bo's got an absolute point. Here's Why where, was Aunt May so much more important than Gwen Stacy? Here's where knocked the snot out of the Green Goblin. Here's where I'll throw and it in. The, one, one. Boom. When Gwen Stacy did die, he did knock the snot out of the Green Goblin. He beat the ever-loving hell out of him. I read that comic. All right, he was going to kill the Green Goblin. The green, he paused, and the Green Goblin beat him to it. <laughs> All right, that's what that's happened. True. That is exactly what happened because Pete was in his mindset to kill the Green Goblin, and then he stopped himself. This is where I once again bring up the difference between Superman and Batman. The moral ambiguity. Superman is a moralistic guy who does not want to kill, does not have it in him to kill. So it's not negligence in as much as it's not that person. They can't do it. They don't have the ability mentally to do it, emotionally to do it. Batman can kill. Batman emotionally can kill. Batman is a murderer. He knows he's a monster. He has said this himself. He doesn't cross this line actively he knows it's easy to cross he has said it more than a dozen times in his comic books and his animations that he can murder someone with no problem he is a trained marksman he is trained in knife combat he is trained in sword combat he has more than a 10,000 ways to kill your average person superman while he has the powers to do it he doesn't have the emotional strength he doesn't have the emotional bend point to do it unless brought to a breaking point and when brought to that breaking point he catches himself to hold himself together to not go there because who am i who am i now i'm seeing a monster i'm seeing the guy i'm fighting that is an emotional breaking point for superman that he can't overcome and he chooses not to even further batman's already i gotta flag that one no 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 same thing goes for spider-man i gotta flag the piss out of that one go for it now in many, in many continuities, in many iterations, through many variations, in DC alone, one, Superman has killed. So let's throw that right out the window. But what are the conditions in which he's killed? It was always a breaking point. Condition, uh, it was always a breaking point. Breaking. They're, they're always breaking points. Batman starts with the breaking point already crossed. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. And in he, his first he issue, he killed someone. He still doesn't do it. And within a handful of issues, Superman kills somebody too. Look, Superman. Here's the problem with Supes uh, as your as your point. When Supes does break that point, when he goes over the deep end, he goes so far past that he doesn't stop. Hence, you know, Superman runs the world. Um, Superman lobotomizes Doomsday. Superman starts the uh, the Injustice Gang. Um, Ultraman, whatever variations. In every variation where Superman well, goes Ultraman's and crosses that Superman. line. He, just letting you know, Ultraman's not Superman at all. He, he will at least, he'll get almost there. He, he has no problem breaking fingers and arms and legs to get the information that he needs. Which is kind of worse. Because he's leaving Whatever. people brutalized, but he's doing but, nothing yeah, about but, Just mercy kill but, the bastard. But, <laughs> but then he doesn't cross that line. And how many times has it been personal for Batman? His enemies go after him and the Bat family. Barbara Gordon, almost killed, paralyzed. Uh, one of his uh, Robins beaten to death with a pipe. Um, like, dude, you know, one personal. Robin dies a week. We understand that with uh, Batman. <laughs> okay, it's the reason why he gets these living colorful shields to work alongside him so they can but, take the bullet for him. But the, the but the truth is, uh, uh, 
the truth is, Superman doesn't have anybody going after him personally, so he doesn't have to make those hard choices. Superman always has people going after him personally. The thing is, is when Super Superman is is more powerful than Batman, and Batman actually, it's not even that. Batman's narrative is vengeance. Superman's narrative is hope, protection. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. The narrative of Batman is to constantly seek justice, so wrong must have been done. Superman's constant narrative is defense and hope, so he stops the wrongs from happening. Those are the narratives of the characters. That's why. At least by comic, you are correct. I'll give you that for the comic. But it makes Superman so much more full of holes than Batman, because despite Captain Vengeance, he won't cross that line. He does it cross that line if at all possible he, yeah he only and kills he people in his movies try to push him. i'm sorry what's that killer clark um <laughs> oh batman too batman kills people in his movies <laughs> you know because uh first movie i won't i won't kill you but i don't have to save you second movie oh harvey dent let's just kick him off the ledge <laughs> you know third movie hey Catwoman, shoot bane <laughs> you know it's like whatever Let's, the uh, point let's is, flip the script a second. What about guys like Shadowhawk that was breaking people's spines? Oh, that they guy, didn't kill him. That guy's worse. But they worse. weren't going to be making it, doing any robberies anymore. That guy's worse. He <laughs> he's my hero. Because at least Batman is a detective, so he know he's getting the right guy. <laughs> <laughs> they never told you those books where Shadowhawk broke the wrong guy's back but didn't care. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Accidents happen. Yeah, accidents when, happen. You got to break a few eggs. Not we'll when it's back. your spine on the line, pal. <laughs> I, w I wouldn't be robbing little old ladies. I wouldn't be getting <laughs> We've all done so, dumb things as teenagers. But now, so you got Bats and Soups who occasionally have cro have sort of danced around this line because of great power or great ability, great money, whatever it is. And we segue right naturally into mutants okay. in the Marvel U. His With big debate on the mutants. tremendous amount of power. His big debate on the mutants was uh, was uh, the debate of freedom versus security. Now, what I'll always say, this is uh, going into the serious moment real quick. Like you mentioned earlier, um, torturing terrorists for information. The powers, responsibility thing aside, mutants are an interesting sort of uh, predicament. Whereas you're not trained... And you're not, like, incidental. Um, let's ignore the Avengers as a whole because that's way too uh, loaded. A, a, a we might as well because for some strange reason, the Marvel Universe ignores the Avengers as powered people too. <laughs> you know, for some strange reason, every individual in the world can tell a mutant apart from a person who just got powers. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, sure. Let's, let, let me quickly drag the Avengers in. No, 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 no. Leave them out because it's dumb. It no, is no, I'll dumb. Drag, I'll drag <laughs> Anne, a singular Avenger in. Thor, to, we to love sort of you, Scarlet Witch. You yes, 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 yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Thor actually is where I was going. No one asks Thor to register. Now, he interestingly was, enough, he was Thor dead was at the time. Not in the situation. Yeah, he was dead, conveniently taking his vacation at the time of these uh, these things. But Thor is way high on that power scale, dude. He's like Hulk high on the power scale. Clearly born with his powers, has all the ability. Uh, the want, the know-how, the, the capability to decimate and wreck everything in space and around the planet. Not a single person would have the balls to tell Thor, "Hey, bro, 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 you need you need to register that hammer and you need to register yourself." 
so you can run around in superhero across the globe. But Thor's powers are well known and well documented. Wouldn't he be automatically registered? Yeah. No. Yeah, actually, yeah. No. Because um, no, no, because they gave it as an example. Thor's powers are already in the database of Avengers powers and information. They weren't looking to register the powers of people who have already been Avengers per se. They were looking for all the people outside of new that. people, new people, people they don't know. Yeah, because the rent. The, but they also wanted everybody to register. Thor came back during the Mutant Registration Act while it was still in place. Tony visited him once, caught a hammer in the head, and went about his Wasn't business. Wasn't it the Superhuman Registration Act? It, yes. I don't think it was. It, it was wasn't uh, unique registry. just to mutants. Yeah, it was Superhuman. I think human everybody registry. should have to register for yeah. this. You're correct. It was a Superhuman Registration Act. Simply put, we don't just hand guns to people and call them cops. We don't give people fatigues and call them Marines. They have to go through training. And that, to me, is what registration is all about. And yes, there's always the danger that some psychotic supervillain is going to come along, hack the database, and then go after somebody's family, and then they should be killed publicly, very mercilessly, in public on television. Air it as a pay-per-view if you want. Kill their children as well, first. Kill their wife so their children cries their eyes out. Okay, you're dragging this out. <laughs> and then you're kill the kid. Kill you're the making wife, my point for me. Take the child's guts. Strangle the daughter with. <laughs> you know, like, yes. Oh, Pete, thank you. You're making this so easy for me, brother. Let's do this like it's a <laughs> Norse Edda. <laughs> you know, like, so people need to realize so when, that they'll suffer if they fuck around. Side thing. Um, anybody here familiar with uh, the Norse mythology besides me? Yes, you know I. Wouldn't you be upset if you were Loki and one of your kids was going to kill the other kid and you were going to be tied to a rock? with your child's organs while another one of your children's venom drip on you eternally while your wife crows, cries over your dying body? Wouldn't you be against your Basically, entire... Basically, your kid just hocking a loogie on you for all eternity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds you know, like it sucks. And all this because everybody around you says you're going to be evil. <laughs> just a side note. That is how the mythology goes. Okay. So, Pete. Okay. Two couple things. Um... To poke a few holes in your in your uh, symbology and idea here, the idea for somebody to become a police officer and or a soldier means that they are seeking to do so. Let's let's exclude the draft from the equation. Most people want to be a soldier or want to be a police officer or are seeking to do this thing. So it is understandable that they should have to go through some sort of form out the window. You now have to take some time, register, and they have to assess you and train you and do all these things. So what you want is gone. It's irrelevant. On some level. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm gonna ask that, in, yes, absolutely. If you're born a mutant and you have powers, you, you should be registered for the simple fact that, uh, let's say you've got one guy, the farmer guy, and his mutant power is he can make it rain. You know, for, and the crops need rain and he makes it rain and everybody's happy. But what if you get some other dude and he's rain guy has total control over his power. But you get this other guy who every time he farts, it happens to come out like a nuclear explosion. Oops. You have to learn to control that. Now, rain guy might have control over his powers, but because fart dude does not, rain guy, unfortunately, is going to be asked to make a sacrifice for his fellow man, his fellow mutant. And like, listen, we, we have to generalize this because if we don't generalize it, then dudes like flatulence man over here are accidentally going to blow up Kentucky. And we can't have that. So okay, okay. I'm, I'm saying register. Uh, if you, you know, assess your power levels and have somebody, you know, Captain America, Iron Man, Professor Xavier, whomever, 
see you know what what levels of control are you exhibiting over your powers and if you're good to go you don't have to be an avenger an x-men or whoever you can go back to your farm life we just need to know what you can do and that you can control it and if you can control it we'll never bother you again you don't have to sure, be I'll, a hero i'll take it to its potential conclusion uh fartnick guy <laughs> can't control his powers Damn what it. now fart nukes we're living in the fart fart apocalypse. The end is near. What do you do with fart nuke guy that can't control his powers? Hmm. Well, well, you certainly don't give him any chili. Well, that's for sure. <laughs> well, the first thing you do, <laughs> the first thing you do is you get somebody more qualified than uh, Captain America and Iron Man to assess <laughs> and learn about his powers because Iron Man's a dick and Captain America's from the 1940s. <laughs> All right. And there's plenty of other people that are better at this. So you've, from Reed Richards to Amadeus Cho, you've got plenty of other people who are better at this than those two. Uh, unless Tony's going to find a way to make a fart nuke gun, he should step aside. All right? Once you get these guys involved, the, the people who are qualified for it, um, you have them figure out a way to control his powers. They've done it with Iceman. They've done it with um, Magic. They've done it with so many people in this, it's ridiculous. They have the technology to have anybody's powers under control. They find a way to do that. They spend the money to do that. We put it in our budget. And our budget, okay. can, and our budget can go a lot cheaper because now, added to our military is the potential for mutant-powered soldiers. So we could cut down military spending. So here, let's, let's spin that one in a terrible direction, which is way too easy. <laughs> um... <laughs> Now, I love my government, I love America, but damn it all, if they're not really good at doing some things. Um, bureaucracy is bureaucracy for a reason, and politicians are politicians. Now, you have Fart Guy, who's can feasibly end a war all by his own two cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> they don't aim that at somebody else. Fart Guy doesn't get conscripted and turned into a weapon. Better yet, Let's say the superhero registration act could, uh, actually succeeds, and all of North America is under the Superhuman Registration Act. That wasn't international. That was North America. So if Asia, uh, say China, Russia, and a bunch of other countries go, yeah, no, we're not superhuman registering shit, do you now bring your superpowered butt cheek guy to their shores and say – if you don't register your people who can fly and teleport over to our place, we're going to have feed him some chili and name him your way. Like, well, where does I, that I, end? I don't think you see what you're doing is escalating a situation that did not happen while they were needed. Well, World War II was escalating a situation that hold, shouldn't have happened. That did not happen. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Because we have the Civil War as an example. Superhuman registration did happen. And at no point did any other country in the world even get affected by what we were doing. Thing went to France and could have forgotten that there was a civil war going on in um, America. You got to see what was going on in other countries. They looked at us and said, oh, we don't know what their problem was. There was a country that already had their power people registered because Israel has their people registered. So there's that. <laughs> All right. There are going to be holes in every you know, plan. Nothing is ever going to be 100%. We cannot enforce our laws on other countries. <laughs> Listen to me, America. <laughs> so, you know, if, if China, Japan, uh, Czechoslovakia, wherever, doesn't want to do it, that's their prerogative. But 
if one of their citizens comes here, whether it's on business, vacation, or they decide to teleport in because they really, really are dying for an American slice of pizza, the first thing that they better do is let the government know, hey, I'm here, and this is what I can do. Because if we find your people here, and they have powers that we are not told about initially, it's like getting a little extra page on your passport. You know, it's like, you have power? <laughs> okay, what's your business here in this country? Pleasure. I really like pizza. Pizza is good. Okay. Per- perfect, perfect, perfect. I'm glad you mentioned that. I just like to because say this. Now, I just like. So now, everybody's registered, and some foreign person comes over, and spontaneously their mutant power kicks itself off. Oh, they ha- they mutate. Well, they didn't know before they got here that they were a mutant. That can happen. Correct. That can happen. They, can they happen. never know. They don't know. Your powers okay. can manifest anywhere from right. the age of birth to like forty. Because <laughs> okay, that's extenuating circumstances. Yeah. And you know, let's say if people die, shit happens. Thor's in a fight over the city. No. It triggers off his powers. Chances are this is going to be like some kind of kid, or even like let's say at, at the at the limit, his early twenties. Yeah. All right, like and like Mike said, we've all done stupid shit in our in our youth. Mm-hmm. If if something like that happens, you kind of got you have to take that with a grain of salt and on a case by case basis. You can't just you can't punish the guy. He didn't know that you know he was gonna piss fucking napalm in the in the urinal of Giant Stadium. And then and then so- it and it was and it was cascading napalm that coated all of Giant Stadium that led to the death of everybody in Giant Stadium because he had cascading napalm that would contact with Giant Stadium. It was it was a, and he was drinking, so it was the perfect combo. And that's what triggered his powers. Okay, he, beer piss activated his powers. So I have two things that are Problem. factual by canon to throw at this. Number one. The X-Men covered this a little bit ago when the last will and testament of Professor X popped up. Oh, that one um, kid. Oh, God, that was That hard. one kid. Holy shit. How I don't many know times? if you had a chance to read it, Pete. I, did, I, I don't usually read X-Men, but go on, tell me about it. So, Professor X died, and his <laughs> will comes up. Him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, She-Hulk shows up at the uh, school, and she's like, I have the last will and testament of Charles Xavier. I need everybody here, including Scott and everybody else. So that was the thing. Everybody finally shows up after all the hilarity of them looking at each other sideways. She reads off the things. Uh, one of the lists is the fact that Mystique gets the mansion. Um, draw your own conclusions as to how and why. <laughs> uh, the other thing was... Just his legs are paralyzed. They never said that. So... Oh, boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Mystique, I miss Moira so much. Can you do this one thing for me? It'll cost you. Fine. I'll be Moira. Um, I'll be Moira. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Okay, stop. Uh, stop. Let's <laughs> 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 so, stay off the so jail, too. The second thing, one of the, one of the more important things on this was the fact that Professor X said he needed the X-Men to track down the most dangerous and powerful mutant he's ever run across and make sure that whatever he did stays the way he did it. Why was this incendiary, you ask? I'm glad you asked that question. This kid, one, had no idea he was a mutant. Two, was more powerful than every other mutant that they've ever come across. And three, was a almost kicking inclu- time bomb. Almost including the Phoenix. Okay. Yes. It was ridiculous. Like, gross. I seem to remember this story from Proteus back in the... Late 60s. Yes. Ah, there's a difference. Proteus was actually containable. Okay. This this mutant was not. There's nothing they could do about this. When this kid 
when the switch hits on him, it becomes uh, an unstoppable force of, oh, shit. What was his so, power? Reality manipulation. Okay. That, that, you know that's you. always the go-to. Yep. Like, complete and total manipulation of reality. Scarlet Witch, uh, Franklin Richards kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on that on that kind of scale. Cross like with power, except, his power Cross levels. with Proteus. Okay. Cross with Proteus, but with, like, no control. It's just this flash of destructive uh, reality manipulating power. Professor X found him when and never told the X-Men. He put in these uh, mental blocks in the kid and would visit him on occasion to keep putting the mental blocks in. When he died, there's nobody there to put those mental blocks in. So basically the blocks were slowly falling off eventually and if they didn't do something about it, eventually this was going to become a thing. The X-Men go and try to get to this. S.H.I.E.L.D. gets involved. His, ma- his name was Matthew like they- Malloy, right? Yes, Matthew Malloy. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D. gets involved like they do, and they're like, well, this is a shitstorm. Um, we have to do something about this now because we're S.H.I.E.L.D., and this guy's a walking, talking nuke. Was he a kid or he was, um, he was an adult by now? He, he was a young adult. Oh. Professor X ran across him when he was a child. Oh. Yeah, Professor um, X had been, been watching been- and I'm assuming there was, being that Xavier was the most powerful telepath on the planet, there was nobody that could, all, you know, put back the little, you know, blockages in his head, like Emma Frost or Jean's nope. dead, so that's out. Yeah. Um, there, there was nothing to be done about it. Okay. And Professor X I even where said... where this is going. Uh, <laughs> Professor X is even like, even with my capable mental powers, uh, the eventuality is, is um, if something happens to me, this is just going to be bad. Um, because it takes everything I have just to keep that in check. Um, and of course, this goes south. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D. gets involved. <clears throat> the X-Men are sort of turning on each other. Um, basically, Professor X neutered him and turned off him in every way, shape, and form conceivable and didn't tell anybody and shit on his own ideology. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Because of, how da- because of how dangerous he was. So go ahead and ask me the question that I know you're dying to ask me. Well, you can ask it. You can you can say what it you, yourself. What okay. do you do about this? Kid? To specify, Matthew Malloy is an Omega level mutant with Omega level power, and even stated to be more than Omega level mutant by Dr. McCoy. Charles Xavier himself called Malloy the largest mutant power score Cerebro ever registered. He was also classified as Omega as an Omega threat by Director Maria Hill. He was compared to he was compared by Cyclops to Apocalypse Phoenix, Onslaught, Franklin Richards, Malin Pryor, Legion, Magneto, the Scarlet Witch, and himself as the Dark Phoenix. Both Exodus and Headlock were both nearly killed by the overwhelming power when they tried to assess his mind. He appears to draw upon extra dimensional an extra dimensional power source that is capable of warping reality to his wills. Powers demonstrated by Matthew include telepathy, telekinesis, matter manipulation, this being rebuilding his body after S.H.I.E.L.D. destroyed it, catatonic explosions, teleportations. His only weakness being extreme emotion causes Malloy to unleash his power unintentionally and often with devastating results. So what do you do about this kid? Um, you know <laughs> do you what tell I him do he needs to register? <laughs> you put a bullet in his head before the fucking blockages come off and you can't put a bullet in his head because he's going to turn the bullet into a fish or he'll just recover his own body if the if the blockages come back i mean they couldn't kill him remember they couldn't physically kill him they tried it didn't work they couldn't physically kill him because he just recovers his body he's recover. he can regenerate his body on an atomic level Hmm. so now you put a bullet in the kid 
and now he's pissed. So now, um, so now you're stuck. So you don't have the easy way out now. You can't kill him. Now correct. you're stuck with a pissed off Omega level mutant that knows your go-to answer for him was kill him. Kill. Well, he can't control. He can't control his powers. There's nothing you can do. When so he's emotionally to- distraught, he can't control his powers. Yes. Well, you possibly get the kid on Ritalin or something, like <laughs> Xanax. You dope him up yeah, but, as much but as Pete, humanly possible. Pete, you can't dope him up anymore because you've already shot him. He's so, immune to the dope at this point. So here, here's this is why I'm saying this is why this is that terrible choice. It is a tyranny of two choices. I'm going to tell you, him what was done. So I thought he, it was. Uh, yeah, I was actually, confused though. I did. I thought he just simply once the block had just come off, he loses control. I didn't realize when he was, you know, when a girl breaks his heart, that's when he flips the hell out. <laughs> yeah, that's his like weakness. Um, what but happened? See, the reason. Oh, hold on, Mike. But before you tell him, and uh, well, I do want you to tell him the reason I told you in the way that I did is because they didn't have all the information. They were learning it as they went, including Shield. So. You have to make that choice based on the information that you have, and the logical choice is, of course, take him out, which is what Shield tried to do. Mm-hmm. That, is, so, that my, would absolutely be my first go-to choice. Yeah. After right. that, now... First, you need to understand, Matthew came into his power after the Skrulls killed his wife, and that's what set him off to begin with, because um, he was kind of, like, lost and forgotten. Um, in the end, what they did is the X-Men Tempest used her powers to go back in time and with the help of Professor X of the past, managed to make Malloy's parents never meet, causing him to never have been born and cease to exist in the present and thus saving Scott, Alana, and Emma from death because all those people died. Well, that's a hell of a great plan. You still killed him. You just did it more efficiently than with a bullet. Yeah, you, you made him never was. Thing. Yeah, Fantastic. <laughs> but that's exactly, that's pretty much what you have to do. So now I want you to understand your mindset because you're like, this is the problem and how far you have to do this. That's a good idea. Let's do that with all the mutants because okay, they I see all Bo- potentially are problematic. I see where Bo's going with this is because you're putting this in the hands of a number of people who – and we will, we will work smarter, not harder. Um, wh- when, will this, when will it reach a point where this becomes the go-to thing for mutants that we just deem is too dangerous – and we start deeming like any mutant is too dangerous because it does. Our government changes. Not always the same people are in charge, so sure. things change along with it. It's like I've always stood by the ideology that I love this country for what it stands for. The government changes. I don't necessarily back that at all times. That's where Cap stands too, and that is the flaw of putting that process, that entire process, by this plan is saying that Tempest is now an agent of the government. And when the time comes, we need to just, like, untinder some parents, you know? But there are other time manipulators. And if one person gets the idea of, I'm going to go back in time and, you know, destroy all mutants one by one by preventing their parents from ever meeting, what's to stop you from figuring who that guy is? Or obviously, he'd probably be the dude who... We're talking about know, the government eventually doing it as a shortcut. I don't think you'd wind up having the entire government convinced that that's what's going to happen. There's always going to be this is a comic you know, book government. Democrats and, and Republicans. There's always there's always going to be a, a division between them. They're never. Going I will to point you. Hold, hold on, hold on. This uh, is a comic I book government. You first and actual, no, no, I don't need I don't need comic book government. I can lean on history to prove my point. Japan, World War II, where it it boils down to the worst, most terrible choice to stop something terrible. 
a lot of lives were going to be lost if we stayed in a battle with that Pacific Front. We were going to lose millions. Right. Absolutely. So, so the trade-off is losing hundreds of thousands. So we bombed them once to stop the war, and we bombed them a second time to send a message to Russia. Now, this is factual history, and this is what my government was like, you know what? This is a big enough problem. We do what we got to do. So I can believe that in the situation where superpowers are prevalent, that a, a government would not make that choice. I got this one. We're using your example, Bo. We're going to stick with your example because your example is perfect for what Pete is talking about. Under extreme circumstances, we dropped a bomb on a very dangerous enemy that we were going to harshly go to war with. And we've had other situations such where we would end up harshly going to war with somebody, but we never dropped another bomb. Not like that. Never again. We never did it again to another country. It's exactly his point. They had the Tempest situation. It was the most extreme and horrible situations. Everybody sat back and felt horrible about it. They may never do that again. Because of the government. probably won't. There's going to be people in the government who want to do that, certainly. But there's going to be dozens who won't. Handle, yeah, you're going to have to keep a handle on every time manipulator that you possibly have, whether it's a, a superhuman, whether it's a mutant, or whether it's some dude who bought Dr. Doom's old time machine off of eBay. doesn't matter. There, there's going to be people with this idea, and you have to keep that in check. But to answer your question simply, I don't think the government would do that to all mutants because now these mutants are presumably registering. Let's say the Registration Act is in effect. They have an innumerable amount of weapons at their disposal that they're not going to give up because if we destroy all mutants, we just lost half of our fighting force. I don't think they're ready to do that. And, that and, and, that's, a, and that's another thing. Here's the other side of it. Not only are they not going to do that because we lose the potential fighting force of mutants that might want to side along with the country, but if you start destroying all mutants and it gets to them before you can actually complete that task and knowing the myriad of powers right. that they have, it will... Um, you can't do it in you have that fighting force. Yeah, you have that fighting force now against you. And given that there's some uh, mutants that have time travel, even if you could do it in one fell swoop, doesn't guarantee you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now you have that fighting force against oh, you. Hey. So there's no way the government's going to actively turn against the mutants like that. That's just ah. Uh, but this is where this falls into my last caveat. See, I I I, I'm, I was terribly unfair about this only because I sort of had uh, some ideas. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bad guy. Um. If you look at the fact that, uh, the again, the X-Men, because God love these X-Men, uh, they, they kind of deal with the time travel stuff and repercussions of time travel. Days of Future Past is that scenario. Ah. Days of Future Past is... <laughs> no, it's not. Hold on, hold on. No, I know there's not. two. No, no, don't flag me yet. Days of Future Past is one of the directions that it went where, because the mutant menace became such a problem, a few people were like, you know what, the Sentinel program may be a viable uh solution for this that that gets out of hand the sentinel solution gets out of their own hands and nimrod and then everything hits the fan but so essentially you're wrong though because the government didn't turn against all mutants in that scenario in every version of the future where the sentinels are in control they just want to control the mutants that are out of control right the mutants that are dangerous, mm-hmm. and then the Sentinels themselves take it a step further and decide we're going to control all mutants. It's never the government that makes that decision in any version but of the future. But the Sentinels future. don't happen. No, 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 no. You, you missed what I said. I said the Sentinels don't happen without the government on some level. Yes, and this is once true. they 
once they go down that road, it's too late. The Sentinels are a metaphor for that uh, that nuke that you never should have fired off or that bomb ah, you never should see, have dropped. But well, see, I have a turnabout on this one. There, there's an mm. answer in that on its own because just like I said, turning on all your mutants is just going to lead to failure when they turn against you. Notice that Sentinel future never happened because the mutants keep stopping it. The mutants just could go and kill all the racist assholes in the country. Magneto was right. <laughs> I, I want to get that T-shirt. I'm sorry. What I'm saying is that the dangerous racists in X-Men and in reality are the guys who say one thing, but they do another. Do another. They do another. Sure. Those And they have power. They have any kind of power. Because uh, what was it? Um, what's his name? He's a great comic writer. Uh, he was... Uh, He's written for almost every everybody. The black dude, um, he was on Chappelle's show as a... Uh, Mo oh, Mooney. Guy. Mooney, Mooney, yeah, Mooney. Mooney. Yeah, he said it once. He's like, you know, black people can only be so racist, really, because you got to compare it to this. You know that homeless guy in the corner who's yelling about how he's going to kill everybody, kill everybody, kill everybody? He's not a danger. No one cares. He's just yelling. He doesn't do anything. But the guy who walks on the street with a gun and starts shooting everybody, that's the guy who's dangerous. That's the difference in racism. Your average person who just yells explicatives is harmless. But the guy who has any kind of power to do something about it and put forth his racist promotion is the dangerous guy. <laughs> you know? and the X-Men or whomever always knows when somebody, like the purifiers, do some shit. And like if they go back in time to prevent mutants or they come up with some sort of terrigen bomb that's going to be poisonous to mutants or whatever. <clears throat> that's a new okay, thing, right? So, that's a new, new hotness. But yeah, so Pete, you've helped me come full circle to the ultimate question. Are mutants evil? No. No, they're not evil. No? No, not perpetually. No. No are they dangerous? People. There are evil mutants. And no. yes, I think most mutants would be dangerous, which is why they need training. If you hand a gun to a child, a toddler, chances are he's going to shoot his mother or blow his own head off. Okay, Bo, here's one. Here's one. Your wife, your child, your family member, whatever, spontaneously manifests a loaded gun with no safety and no ability to keep the reflexive need of pulling the trigger every now and again. What do you do about that? The first thing you do is put a splint on his kid's finger so he can't do this. You, you see? <laughs> you put a control in motion. But, Bo, what do you do about it? Uh, so the kid has the ability to just decimate everything. Yeah, it's their arm. Just it's their arm. They have the ability to randomly shoot people, and they have limited control over it. Sometimes it just happens if they get too emotional or get too frustrated. I send them to the school for gifted youngsters. So you put a control yeah. in place where their powers will I, be assessed and they'll and they will learn about their abilities. That is a control function, though. I, 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 I don't act at its purest, at its core. Now here's the problem. As we extend this further, you send them to the school to Xavier's school for gifted youngsters. You find out that after a year of your child being there, that they have fought hundreds of random terrorists and that their school has been blown up more than 16 times. Do you keep your child there? How old is the child? The child is still a child. It's still a young, it's a teenager. Teenager? No. I pulled okay. a teenager. But your child still has uncontrolled abilities with their powers, and it's way out of your ability to manage. And the government, 
says we are funding a larger program that has a lot more oversight than the random bald guy who sometimes gets taken over by evil people, <laughs> you know. And you to never help know if he's do- running around with his wheelchair like, you know? <laughs> yeah. he's, he's at the level. He's at the level. <laughs> hey, muscle boy, come bring in my newspaper. My legs don't work. <laughs> oh, my God. How badly they've worked to vilify Xavier over the years, man. Anyway, um, so now there's a government project in place to help you. There's another private program in place called, um, uh, uh, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the Seekers Program. And you still have Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters. Which do you take him into? Xavier, the private institute, or the government institute? I go government try it. it's free. <laughs> you go government. Bo, where do you go? Uh, I probably go with the private school. The private school, the Seekers? Yep. Okay, two years down the line, you find out that it's secretly run by a lady by the name of Emma Frost, and she has formed your child along with her other people into a group called the Hellions. All of them but your child. <laughs> All of them but your child. Wayback Machine. All of them but your child has died. Now you have your child again. But they're offering to still continue teaching him for a low if fee. This kid hasn't, if this kid hasn't gotten his, his chops by the time he's through It's not this. that. It's the two organizations that took him in were too distracted by their own motivation, by their own mission statement to police their own kind from doing evil that they have put little to no time in training the child to his abilities. It took them for... It, Kitty Pride practically taught herself how to control her, her phasing abilities. I send him to Wakanda. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Until Wakanda is destroyed several years. <laughs> no, I'm just by, name or by, a mutant. Yeah, by a dirty, filthy mutant. Beauty. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, though, right? No, you, I, I do. You get do it, but end up time, having guys, to put a control in place. But you guys also understand what I'm saying. Yes. Say controls are rife for abuse oh, and mis- misuse and mismanagement. Yes. So there is no right answer. There's always going to be holes in every theory. There is a right answer. The right answer is the safest potential answer for the given situation at the moment. There is never a one... Send that kid to the Baxter building. Let him become the most No, that is the worst answer. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No. And this way, at the end of it all, he just ends up shaping realities on a whim because that kid is never going to be a problem for anybody except... Everybody who's not the Fantastic Four, who's joined the Fantastic Four, never has a good end with the Fantastic Four. I'm just letting you know, it's never never going good for the auxiliary members. Like, yeah, it's a, no, the Baxter Building is not the way to go. In a comic book universe, there's always going to be drama. There's always going to be drama. Absolutely. That's necessary. In the real world, there's always scenario. I wouldn't call it drama because cause the real life doesn't follow a storytelling format. It's just incident to incident that you could actually narratively put together as a story, but it's incident to incident. As with everything else, these things seem to fall somewhere in the middle. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. I didn't get to play my devil's advocate over here. (laughs) At least up until retcon, but please go with your devil's advocate. No, no, no. My devil's advocate is it's pointless at this at this at this juncture. But what I'm saying, simply put, is the politics of the Marvel Universe is flawed because they promote always the point of view from the superhero. And I first saw this when Frontline happened in Civil War. That's when I first saw this. That, because that was the first, because if you read just Civil War, Cap has got a hard job and you feel bad for Cap. If you read Frontline, Cap's wrong. 
Cap's Frontline just Cap's I, I just wrong. Series. Iron Man's no better, but somewhere in the middle is not where Cap's at. Cap's one side and Iron Man's the other. When we need somebody more in the middle, more in the middle. Yeah, but Cap takes the middle that, when he surrenders. You know, it's it's a very sort of dubious gray zone. Uh, truth be told, and it's probably why they take it on again, off again, on again, off again for like the last 10, 15 years. Um, they'll probably revisit it, revisit it again at some point, especially considering the Civil War movie's coming out. Yeah. So they're going to have to touch on that somehow, some way. Iron Man's got to punch another team member in the face, I know. <laughs> it's coming about time. All right, so that being said, I think we've reached a nice end point. Marvel, comic, I politics. Never, I could I can never trust Pete, my mutant child. (laughs) (laughs) No. You know, you know, um, the worst. Well, Pete. Yes, sir. If if you had a son Mm -hmm. and he started dating a mutant who was a shape changer, (laughs) who you discovered was a shape changer. And when she was younger, she did some illicit things. Such as. She was forced to work for somebody in the private industry because of her ability to become anyone else for shady entertainment purposes. How would you react? So you're telling me my, if my son wants to date tainted cooch, then that's his prerogative. Well, they're a cellular, mean, they're a cellular shape-changing mutant. It can never taint. Well, I mean, listen, it, it's tainted. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever makes him happy. Let live those who live. All right. So you're not affecting my life in any way. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Now, now, if he, now if he brings that mutant home and is like, we want your blessing to marry. I say, well, how, what about this shape change? <laughs> how do you have that started out as women? Let's just explore this. Dad's <laughs> curious to meet your fiance's friend, son. <laughs> Let dad come to a party. <laughs> Do you guys still do keg stand? Oh, the keg is a mutant too. Got it. His mutant power is producing beer. I like him. <laughs> that makes that that makes the beer nozzle so very terrible. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Except when it manifests the power to piss lava. <laughs> and the beer pump. Don't forget the pump. I'm sure the beer keg <laughs> oh, will never forget the pump. This is an intelligent and fun conversation, but I mean, you already know where I stand on superheroes and violence. Yeah, kill them all. Yeah, that's. No, you know, like I, said, I don't want to live. Up. I don't want to live in any of the worlds, Marvel or DC. I don't want to live in any of those. I don't want to live in a world where a guy could get into a street fight and it could level a building. Oh, to hell with that! <laughs> <laughs> to hell with that! I don't want to live in a world where that short, hairy Canadian dude you just bump into might take your leg and hand it to you. Like, dude, seriously. I remember That's- asking someone, um, "Who would they rather them be saved by, Wolverine, Batman, or Spider-Man? Who would you rather be saved by, um, Pete?" I think I'm going to go with Spidey. Uh, Bo? Bats. I said Spidey because, one, it's up in the air if Bat saves you. He might be looking into your murder. Wolverine, he doesn't have any powers to save anybody. He's just really going to get good vengeance for you. Spidey has right. all the... Web sa- hammock. Web hammock. Spidey has all the I can save you powers. <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, until they break your... be saved by, like, Captain Marvel or somebody. Until they break your neck. Look, Spidey is a coin flip sometimes, okay? Just remember that, guy. Only in the early points of his career. Generally, after that, if, Spidey if, was batting a thousand on saving people. Average person he saved was pretty 100%. That's why in the video games, if you fail to save anybody, your game is over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Unless they're just a side quest. Yeah, he bats a thousand with that. He took a lot of bumps learning, yeah. And that was one of the things that made his comic good because he wasn't perfect. Batman, I don't know where that guy's going. Like, in his first issue, he broke somebody's neck. He shot another dude. And then T dropped another guy in acid. Yeah, then dropped another acid. guy in ash acid. Uh, what is it? S a eight, fitting end for his kind. Eight years later. Yeah. Eight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna read. Uh, there was a there was a lot of overtones. <laughs> um, a, Look, a I don't know later, what Kane was on in the beginning, but <laughs> a decade later, he's running around with a little boy that he lays in the same bed with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Did they draw them in the same bed? Really? Yes, they did. Like, yes. I know the first husband and wife to be drawn in the same bed was, uh, I mean, or you know, featured in the same bed was fucking woman and. And Fred Flintstone. Yeah, but um, they featured him and Robin in the same bed because the, the guys drawing it were thinking, oh, it's just like a parent getting in the bed with their kid. They didn't, yeah. yeah. But They it, weren't thinking as nefariously and filthily as we are today. Or the rest of the country <laughs> at the time. Um, well, I mean, look at that. Do you, do you see how many times Wonder Woman was tied up in the Golden Age, for God's oh, sakes? dude, the guy invented the oh, lie yeah. detector and, <laughs> you know, he was uh. into things. And mind you, he still made her for female empowerment. And at the time, I, I, I guess that fit what female empowerment was. Scott Snyder was born in the wrong decade. <laughs> I had a blast. Always do. Thanks yeah. for having me. No problem. No problem. He just randomly said it. At the episode... <laughs> I have one question for both seriously? of you. What? If you can choose any character from any comic, medium, whatever. I mean, I can already see the good and the bad of choosing Batman. Oh, he's just a bad. I mean, you could learn a lot of great fighting styles and stuff from him, and I might be able to even cure my fear of heights. You say it's bad, but you know what? Everybody loves the dick. Grayson. So. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I got to run, guys. Catch Thanks you later, Pete. Oh, wow. That was heavy. That was, whoo, that was a lot of discussion. A lot of discussion and a lot of dangerous subject matters. I don't know if we kept people going, but I was sure interested in where this conversation was going and i would like an answer to that question who would you like to be your mentor in the long run i'd like to give a thanks out to uh, our guys at thunderstruck studios for giving us one hell of an intro and my friend corona for giving us one hell of an outro and pete from pete's basement for giving us one hell of a color commentary that was me and bo and we were talking about everything that you have to do with geeking in and geeking out that said see ya later I will see you later. Bye-bye.